On this week's show, Antonio Brown is back, Ron Rivera rings a bell, and the Army-Navy game is returning to West Point for the first time in 77 years. In our two-minute history lesson, we answer the question, why does Alabama have an elephant for a mascot? That and much more this week in the world of football. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode number 168 for October 27th, 2020. I'm your host, Randy Snow, and across the table from me, as always, is my son, Adam. What a crazy week this football week has been since last we met. It has been some great uh, last-minute well, <laughs> plays. We'll, we'll talk about the games. I'm oh. also talking about just, like, between college and NFL, and now we got, like, crazy just people you never thought you'd see ever come back, and... It just, oof. It's 2020. Expect everything. True. But the key thing is, at least for the NFL, no game cancellations this week. Yes. Uh, so another yes. week of no knock, cancellations? Knock on wood or whatever this table's made yeah. out of here. We come to you each week from the world of football man cave, located right here in the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to promote the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. From the NFL to the CFL to the XFL, college, high school, indoor, and arena football, we inform and entertain our listeners with the glorious buffet that is the world of football. All this while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So let's review what happened this past week, beginning with Adam and the World of Football scoreboard. That's right. We actually had a Thursday night game this past yep. week uh, for the first time in a couple weeks just because yeah. well, of COVID shifting. And, yeah. yeah, they missed one week. Uh, but <laughs> uh, an entertaining game nonetheless between the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants, which saw the Eagles come out in the end with a 22-21 victory, but... All anybody was talking about was the 80-yard run by quarterback Daniel Jones for the New York Giants where he just randomly stumbled at the 20-yard line. Uh, everybody was memeing it. Yeah, and it was turned into a meme almost immediately. Hi, welcome to the internet in 2020 <laughs> uh, where nobody is safe. Yeah. And they were great. I'd say that a lot of those memes were better than this game itself probably. Yeah. Well, you probably don't remember the, uh, the famous run by um... – Oh, the San Francisco 49ers quarterback, uh, Steve Young, Steve many, Young. many years ago. He he started stumbling about the 5 oh, or 10-yard yeah. line, but he made it into the end. He, like, dove and made it. was a game it against the, the, was it the Vikings? I want to say I, I pictured recall. in my head. I don't ah, that, that, was, that was one of the most famous stumble runs, and now you've got this one here that uh, was a big fail. But it wasn't all bad for <laughs> Daniel Jones. I mean, Patrick Mahomes even tweeted out, like, hey, even I couldn't go that far without losing some steam. Right. So, uh, you know, a little fun there, and... Uh, you know, the Giants did get in a little bit of hot water uh, day after the game, too. We heard about uh, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley going out uh, maskless in public. Yep. So, um, party. As, of, as of right now, no repercussions for that yet. But yeah. the only repercussions are for that terrible NFC least, I mean, sorry, <laughs> NFC East division where the Eagles, uh, I guess, have first place now at 2 4 and 1. Uh, they're the biggest loser. Oh, boy. Uh, but Philadelphia, for them, eight consecutive wins against those New York Giants. Yeah. 
All right, moving on to Sunday action, unless you had more. No, okay. no I was just going to say that that Thursday night game, we thought it was going to be a real dog, and it turned out to be a little better than Sounds we thought. Sounds like it was at least kind of entertaining. It was uh, entertaining, yep. You know, a couple of former Lions in it. So for us, we got to see Golden Tate go up against former Lions, uh, Nick Fulgham, who's the receiver for the Eagles, and uh, or Travis Fulgham, sorry, and then <laughs> Darius Slay, who yeah. the Lions uh, – both of those guys, Golden Tate and Darius Slay, both traded to the Eagles uh, hmm. by the Lions at some point. But anyway, moving on, uh, we're going to start with the game, which was between two unbeatens on Sunday. This was a game between the Steelers and Titans. How about this game? The Steelers jumped out to a, a big lead there, and it just looked like they were going to run away with this game. Yep. But then the Titans were able to climb back in it a little bit, and they missed a field goal towards the end of the game that would have tied it up and sent it to overtime. But yep. the Steelers held them off uh, 27-24. The Steelers... 6-0, and oh, and we'll check in on that other unbeaten team in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh, the 6-0 and oh start for the second time in team history, that other time being 1978. You were just a year out of high school there, buddy. Yeah, yep. So, uh, just pure craziness. The Steelers, I don't know if they're the best team. They have the best record. Some people are saying that they're the best team. I mean, um, if the Titans could still climb back in, I mean, the Titans are still a good football team at 5-1. and one. Uh, give the Steelers all the credit in the world for pulling that out, you know, the way they did. I, I think uh, they were definitely negative in the uh, turnover margin. I think mm. Big Ben threw three interceptions during that game. They're mm. still able to pull that out, which yeah. is tough to do. Yeah, if you can do that and still win the game, uh, credit to that Pittsburgh you're living right, defense. I guess. Yeah, so Pittsburgh, uh, a team I don't think anybody really gave a lot of credit to to start the year. but Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that uh, Big Ben was, uh, you know, on the downward slope. I, th- he, I think he still is, but, I mean, quite yet. as a team, though, yeah. the team is still, you know, they're better with him than without him, sure. uh, which sure. was evident from last year. All right, moving on to another game. This uh, another game in the NFC least uh, where I don't know if either of us saw this coming, but the football team from Washington defeated the Dallas Cowboys 25-3. to Didn't see that blowout coming. But, uh, you know, Dallas had 142 total net yards, which is the fewest since week one of 2001. Uh, just a poor performance by Dallas. There was uh, Andy Dalton suffered a concussion oh, on a, yeah. on a brutal hit. Uh, I forget the player's name who got ejected. I, as far as we know, he's not getting fined or anything. Well, he'll probably get fined, but he's not getting suspended any games, it sounds like. Uh, but, man, what is going on with Dallas? Well, I expected Washington to win this game, but I didn't expect it to be the kind of beatdown that it was. And so that was a bit of a surprise. But, yeah, Dallas is definitely hurting right now. Yeah, and uh, some news, breaking news, actually, right before we started recording the podcast, uh, the Dallas Cowboys have traded away one of their best defensive linemen, and that is uh, Everson, or defense, defensive end, sorry. Everson Griffin has been traded to the Detroit Lions, uh, in exchange for a sixth round uh, pick, so is it was a conditional pick? I think it was a conditional pick. If I read that right, mm. uh, there's a lot of you know breaking stuff. Mm. Uh, so, but yeah, we'll take him. Yeah, we'll take him. The Lions. I mean, we'll get to them in a second. Uh, you know, they played on Sunday and they had a heck of a game. And uh, shoot, let's just transition into what the Lions did okay. in order to make them think that maybe they need to go for another stud defensive end. <laughs> uh, the Detroit Lions came into Atlanta, and these two teams, you know, both known for giving up football yep. games going into this game. Yep. We kind of figured, like, who's going to give it up the worst? And believe us, both teams tried to give this game away, <laughs> yeah. but only one of them won. Yep. Uh, so the Detroit Lions actually came out on top, 23-22. And if, as Lions fans... 
pure craziness, even for our oh, standards. It, it uh, was it was hard to watch because you didn't know what was going to happen. One of the wildest wildest endings to not only, not just a Lions game, but any game. It was just bizarre. I've seen it a the long way time. that this ended. Uh, you know, the, was it? the Lions were up sixteen to no, they're up. Oh boy, I always get the scores mixed up. They were up. We were up by a couple points. We were and, up by uh, sixteen to fourteen. Yeah. Okay. Then. Uh, the Lions let, and when I say let, the Lions had no timeouts, and for some reason the Falcons were running the ball in the red zone, and the Lions essentially let Todd Gurley score a touchdown, despite Todd Gurley running back for the Falcons. Trying to stop, trying to stop his momentum before the goal line and still ended up landing right on that uh, goal line for the touchdown. So yep. uh, for some strange reason, the Lions allowing a touchdown. I said they should they should just let him score because they were did, working right down, and I said they should give him. Now people him. ask. I mean, people are blaming Todd Gurley, but really, you should be blaming the Atlanta coaches for not saying. Maybe we should just kneel it for three times and yeah. let the clock I run down. I thought that's what they were going to do. We all did, and they didn't do it for some reason. They ran the ball, mm-hmm. uh, scored the touchdown, which you would normally think is good, but that gave Detroit the ball back with a minute and some change. Down by six. Down by six. Atlanta getting the two point conversion to go up twenty two to sixteen, and you give Matthew Stafford the ball with a minute and some change left, no timeouts. <laughs> He's Anything can happen. Good. <laughs> So he led, leads the team on a 75-yard drive down the field. There's And to even make the, the fact that he's doing a 75-yard drive crazy, there's a replay review, there's flashbacks for Lions fans and Falcons fans for when the Lions had a 10-second runoff yep. at the end of their last meeting three years ago. Yep, there are penalties. And, uh, oh, man, yeah. penalties and players not being able to get out of bounds. And this game had pretty much everything. Yeah. And especially in this last minute, there was just, it was pure craziness. So the Lions were able to throw a bomb to uh, Kenny Galladay. They reviewed it. It was a catch. But then with three seconds left, they started up the clock as soon as the replay was over. Yeah, so they had to spike the ball. had to spike the ball. Uh, Some controversy where the referees apparently moved the ball from the 8-yard line to the 11-yard line for some reason. Yeah, there's a lot of conspiracies and uh, stuff out there about that. But anyway, last play of the game, two seconds left. Matthew Stafford finds his second-year tight end. TJ Hawkinson on, and I can't believe we didn't mention this. It was National Tight End Day on Sunday, everybody. <laughs> they let you know. And TJ Hawkinson catches the the game-tying touchdown pass, technically. With and then, no time on With no time clock. left on the clock. And you're just like, great, all we have to do is complete a simple, typical point-after-attempt. Yep. But guess what? There was a penalty. There was a penalty. Detroit Lions wide receiver Danny Amendola takes his helmet off during the celebration, incurring a 15-yard unsportsmanlike penalty, which is weird because a Falcons player took his helmet off too in disgust, so (laughs) whatever. So now a typical, what would you say, like a 30-yard? Isn't it like a 30-yard? I think it's like 35, but it wound up being about a 48-yard attempt for an extra point. For an extra point, and... To add to the drama, Matt Prater, Lions kicker, missed from 46 yards earlier in the game. So, of course, we're on the edge of our seat like, oh, crap, even if he misses it, I guess we're going to overtime, so I hope he makes it. And he did. The Lions get the one-point win. It was just unbelievable. What a stressful just. Man, my my (laughs) sister uh, emailed me or sent me a message after the game, and she said, uh, wow, I can't believe Detroit won. And she said, uh, how's your blood pressure doing? And I said, I'm afraid to check it. Did you check it? After <laughs> no, I did not. Probably I did call. not check it. After probably a good game. call. You probably have to call your doctor after that. <laughs> but yeah, for Atlanta though. So let's talk about the other side. For Atlanta, another blown lead. They they showed the uh, percentage where the the win probability for them towards the end of these games was in the ninety eight percent, ninety eight percent higher yep. in three games this season, and they lost all three of these games. Detroit had a two percent chance of winning there at the end of the game, and they somehow managed to pull it out. 
Uh, Atlanta one and six start for the second consecutive season. Uh, I don't know what more to say. I feel bad for Atlanta fans because we've been there. Yep, given up these done leads, that. but uh, it just seems like it's falling on Atlanta more and more lately. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, I'm I'm just glad Detroit won. Yeah, we all are. Yeah, but, I mean, we I'd still be moping around today, two days later. If, if uh, that, I I anticipated them losing. I picked the Lions to lose, mm. so I guess I probably would have been like, yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up. All right. <laughs> Speaking of not getting your hopes up, despite the <laughs> New York Jets having a lead on the Bills for a lot of that game on Sunday, the Bills were able to climb back with all field goals to beat these Jets 18 to 10. I believe it was all field goals. Yeah, I couldn't believe the, uh, the scores that we were seeing you know, early on. It's like the Jets had total yeah, the control. The Jets were winning, and we're game. like, what is happening today? Yeah. <laughs> it didn't make any sense at all. No, so the Buffalo Bills get the win, 18-10. Uh, the Jets are now 0-7 for the second time in franchise history. The last wow. time that happened? Uh, 1985. 1996. Mm-hmm. Not, uh, you know, a couple decades ago. <laughs> uh, moving on, the Carolina Panthers went into New Orleans and fell just short. 27-24. Uh, New Orleans has won six of the last seven games against the Panthers, but big thing of note was the missed field goal by the Panthers that would have tied this game up. Attempted a 65-yard field oh, goal. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was just short. Just short. It was, I mean, maybe a yard we short. We were a yard short. Like, well, just because that arc, the way to the, the just didn't have enough arc. It like, was just under the goal post, so it missed it by that much. Otherwise, we would have had a brand-new yep. NFL, NFL record. record. Yep. Uh, I think it was Graham Gano. Was the kicker or I forget. I forget the name of the kicker? That used to be their kicker, I think. Sorry, I don't have that right in front of me. I'm just reading the scores. Uh, next game, the Green Bay Packers handled the Houston Texans 35 to 20. Green Bay has never lost against the Houston Texans. They are six and zero all time against the franchise. Yeah, I figured Green Bay would come back. After, Aaron Rodgers after went through four touchdown passes. Yeah. yeah, he's back in form. Yep. Uh, the, this game, how about this? The battle for Ohio has been great this season. Both games yeah. really close. The Bengals and Browns just duking it out, and the Browns get another win against the Bengals. So that's two wins for them against those Bengals. Uh, 37-34, Baker Mayfield threw for five touchdown passes in the game, which is the tied for the most in Cleveland Browns history. So after Baker gets benched last week, comes out, looks like an all-star, and, oh, by the way, he did it without Odell Beckham Jr. on the mm. field because Odell Beckham Jr. unfortunately got hurt during an interception play, tried to make a tackle, and he just uh, tore his ACL. They say he's out for the rest of the year, yep. um, which kind of stinks. You know, he's one of the best receivers in the game, an electric, you know, personality. Right. Uh, so we'll see if he's even going to be a Cleveland Brown next year. But Baker may be looking good without the star. Well, even though he threw five touchdown passes, like you said, I think he still had six commercials. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> During the game. But, yeah, the Browns, 37. The Bengals, 34. But make no mistake, the Bengals, they've been in some close games. Joe Burrow is, you know, despite them being 1-5-1, and one, Joe Burrow, I'm just, you know, amazed at this kid, you know. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, well, I won't say he was like Matt Stafford, but Matt Stafford was on a bad Lions team his first season mm-hmm. and showed flashes of greatness. And uh, I think Joe Burrow might be a little bit ahead of him. It's hard to say, but when you can play well on a bad team, uh, that shows how good you are. Yeah, and Joe Burrow. And I think Joe Burrow has definitely made the Bengals a team worth watching, yes. even if they lose. Uh, There's that's a lot somebody of games. that they can build around. Now they get him some help on the line. They get him some. Oh, I'm scared what Joe Burrow could do with a team. And he around can him. really, he could really turn that team around. Yeah. And maybe next year, you know, once um, uh, the the um, 
quarterback from Clemson gets picked by the Jets. If he we, gets picked by the Jets. We could see the Jets uh, improving in the next period. That's a story where, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if you have that in your rundown, but Trevor Lawrence thinking maybe he might stay in college another year. I don't think he wants to go to oh, the really? Jets. So. Oh, I didn't realize he was a junior. I just assumed he was oh, yeah, a he's, Yeah, he okay. could win another national championship this All year right. and next year. Yeah. Then the Jets are going to have to tank for two years in a row. Yeah, good luck with that. Speaking of good luck, uh, we did have one schedule change since we last talked, and it was... This game we're about to talk about was originally slated for the Sunday night game. It was moved up uh, to the 4 o'clock slot, uh, swapped around with another game, which we'll get to. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers behind Tom Brady, well, this guy, does he age? Does Father Time know that he exists? Just when you think they're ready to close the lid on this guy. Oh, I know. I mean, he, he looked good last week, but this week, I mean, he just gunslinging it some more, Mr. Brady. Uh, most passing touchdowns by a Tampa Bay quarterback in his first seven games. That's 18 touchdown passes he's thrown hmm. coming to Tampa. That's just bonkers to me. But Tampa Bay goes into Las Vegas and beats the Raiders 45-20. to Wasn't even a contest, I don't think. Tom Brady and those Buccaneers are humming, and uh, they get scarier and scarier by the week. Hmm. All right, next game. The Los Angeles Chargers at SoFi Stadium defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars, thirty-nine to twenty-nine. How about this? Justin Herbert, sixty-six rushing yards. Yeah, Justin Herbert. Yeah, I don't know why I flipped on that. Sixty-six <laughs> rushing yards, which is most by a quarterback in Los Angeles Chargers history. And I believe I saw a stat that said Herbert is only the second player ever in his first six starts to throw over two hundred fifty passing yards in each game. Hmm. You know who the other guy was? Um. Joey Harrington. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so, Justin Herbert in good company right off the bat. Not okay. bad for this kid. Sure. Uh, getting their second win of the season. Uh, yeah, bright future for that franchise, finding their quarterback, too. Uh, how about this shocker? The San Francisco 49ers defeated the New England Patriots in Foxborough 33-6. to New England starting 2-4 and four for the first time since... Uh, 1974. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> the year 2000. Oh. I believe that's the year they grabbed Brady and, or man, no, Brady was two thousand one, wasn't he? I'm not sure. I forget, but yeah, this was pre Brady, uh, the two and four start. So pretty crazy. Uh, Cam Newton got benched. I think he threw three interceptions in that. So his future in uh, New England as a starter could be in jeopardy. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? All right, Kansas City made easy work of the Denver Broncos, 43-16. to Kansas City has now won 10 straight games against Denver. Can you believe it? That's that's uh, five straight seasons of beating a team. That's pretty good. Yep. All right, uh, not much from that game. But how about this game, the Sunday night game? Yes, this was originally the 4 o'clock game swapped with those Raiders and Buccaneers. The Seattle Seahawks traveled to Arizona to play the Cardinals and what a game this turned out to this be. This was a good game. I, I didn't see a whole lot of it. Uh, oh, I but, watched the whole thing. But I did catch the end of it, and the, the last part of regulation and into overtime, into overtime. was really good. But, uh, yeah, the, the whole game, Arizona trailed the Seahawks. It just looked like they had no answer for the Seahawks, and maybe after Seattle jumped out to a bit of a lead, then Arizona would answer, but they were always trailing and you know, still trying to claw their way back into it. They could never seem to get over you know where Seattle was, but eventually tied it up at 34 apiece and sent it to overtime, and in overtime... With 20 seconds left, Arizona was finally able to kick that game-winning field goal to give them the win, 37-34, giving the Seahawks their first loss of the season, uh, making the only one team left with an unbeaten record, the Pittsburgh Steelers. But a lot of good performances in this game. Kyler Murray, just incredible young talent there. 
the kicker for Arizona, he actually missed uh, a field goal in yeah. overtime that would have won it. Yeah, he and he got, a second, and he got chance, a second chance, and and he redeemed himself. Yeah, but I mean, we saw those first you know slate of games, and we thought the Lions ending was crazy. This turned out to be just as crazy. Yep, uh, a very uncharacteristic Russell Wilson throwing interceptions. Uh, left and right. Yeah, he didn't look uh, like he was on his game. Uh, oh, he looked good I for a lot. Well, I think there was just a couple of times where I think he might have just underestimated, like, you know, oh, I think I'm, I'm able to get this out of bounds. And he throws it in just the right spot where a defender was able to intercept the ball in the end zone and, like, mm. just skirt the inside of the line. So mm. maybe just, like, a little off. Maybe not a whole lot. Arizona, uh, you know, came to play. So give Arizona a lot of credit. Yeah. And, of course, the play everybody was talking about was the interception return for Arizona. That was returned 90 yards, but uh, wide receiver DK Metcalf for the Seahawks chased him down. <laughs> I think they clocked him in at 22 miles an hour, <laughs> just straight line running. If you watch the play, it's crazy how he just beelines down that field. And you think the, yep. I think the we all thought this guy was, was going to score a touchdown, but Metcalf just comes out of nowhere and just tackles the guy. And then I think the four, uh, Cardinals. Four straight plays, they didn't get into the end zone at all, so they didn't even get any points off that big turnover, hmm. which is crazy. So DK Metcalf essentially saved them a touchdown. I mean, the defense obviously kept the offense out, but, man, if he wouldn't have made that tackle. What was that meme you showed me of that play? So somebody photoshopped uh, Michael Myers from the Halloween movies, oh, okay. his face onto That's DK right. Metcalf, and then they had, like, a little knife in his hand. Yeah, just... <laughs> so, like he, like, he was a serial killer tracking down his prey. That was... <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, and these serial killers, they don't run that fast, though. No, if they did, if they had DK Metcalf speed, that would change the game. Yeah, these movies would be a lot shorter because they, they'd get to their victims faster. I would watch that movie over. I would watch the movie about a serial killer wide receiver who was just <laughs> stinking fast. That'd be good. What would we call it? We'd call it, uh, I can't think of anything. I'm not an improv guy, but it'd be good. But how about this? The wide receiver for the, the Seahawks, Tyler Lockett, 200 receiving yards. Tied for the second most, or I guess maybe it's just the second most in Seattle Seahawks history. He had a hell of a game, uh, Mr. Lockett. I think he caught three touchdown passes, too. How about uh, wide slash receiver? Eh. <laughs> That's the best I could come up with on short notice. Well, I mean, that kind of makes me think of uh, Cordell, uh, Cordell Stewart. Yeah. Yeah, the wide receiver slash quarterback. Right, yeah. <laughs> they would just call it slash. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go, just slash. See, look at that. We just gave somebody a free movie idea. Not Put, slasher, just slash. Give that. Give us an exclusive deal at ESPN Plus for a <laughs> serial killer football player. Uh, so, yeah, so the Cardinals get the win in that. NFC West is just bonkers good mm. between the Cardinals, Seahawks, the uh, – yeah, I said the Niners, right? No, so you, you didn't say the Niners. Okay, yeah. well, the Niners who obviously got a win. And then uh, let's talk about that fourth team – the Los Angeles Rams, who hosted the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football, uh, this is no contest. The Rams came out and won twenty-four to ten. They advanced to five and two. Uh, the Rams are now fifteen and four at home since twenty eighteen, uh, which I guess is a weird stat because now they have a brand new home stadium, and I would consider this more of a home field advantage. But the Rams look good. Everybody in that NFC West looks yeah. good. I mean, I thought the Niners were. Kind of hit and miss, but shoot, they're above 500. Everybody in that division is above 500. Well, like you said on the 49ers, you never know what team I don't know which gonna one's going to show up. Come up on the field at, at any given Sunday because ah, one one week they look like Super Bowl champs, and next week they can't beat anybody. Right, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo gets benched, and the next week he's a world beater. So yep. hard to say. And the Bears are who we thought they were, who I think they are. Their, their offense was putrid. 
Uh, seven of their ten points came from their defense scoring a touchdown. So, uh, just I I'm not saying that because I'm a Lions fan and the Bears are in our division, but I this Bears team is not as good as their five and two record. No, I don't think so. But we'll and, see how they do next week. Right, and that's it for our scoreboard this week. For the NFL scoreboard. For the NFL. Sorry. Now but, we're gonna throw it over to Randy for some college games, which were. We're going to talk about one that was just as crazy as that Lions game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, college scoreboard. Let's start with the games that were postponed this week. And luckily, only two games were postponed this week. And that's uh, that's pretty good. The only two that were canceled were number four, Georgia versus Kentucky, and number 10, Florida versus Missouri. So, And I've already looked ahead, and it looks like right now there are two games already postponed uh-huh. for this coming weekend in uh, college football. So that's pretty good because we've had, you know, five, six games uh, scheduled or, you know, canceled, postponed, whatever, in the last few weeks. So hopefully things are getting better in that department. Well, you know what also is getting better for college football? Hmm. The return of the Big Ten, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. That's right. I can't wait to talk Big Ten football. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to start with uh, number one Clemson over Syracuse. 47 to 21. Clemson is now 6 and 0 on the season, followed closely by Alabama, number 2 Alabama over Tennessee, 48 to 17. Alabama is now 5 and 0 on the season. Uh, yeah, but they lost one of their star receivers there, I think on the opening kickoff of the mm-hmm. game, uh out for the rest of the year. So tough loss for them, but we'll see if the next, next man, man up, up for Al- yeah. for Alabama. Jinx, you owe me a couple. <laughs> number 3 Notre Dame over Pittsburgh, 45 to 3. Notre Dame is now 5 and 0. Number five, Ohio State over Nebraska, fifty-two to seventeen. Ohio State is now one and zero. Yeah, first game of the season, Big Ten. Uh, they're already number five, well, which I guess I mean makes sense. I mean, we all thought they'd probably be one of the best teams in the country, but dang, yeah, uh, came out and uh, punched Nebraska in the mouth. And guess what, Nebraska? This is what you wanted. You wanted to come play football, and I don't think he showed up. Yeah. Okay, and uh, number six, Oklahoma State over number 17, Iowa State, 24-21. to Oklahoma State is now 4-0 and on the season. Indiana upsets number eight, Penn, uh, Penn State, 36-35 to in overtime. This was the Hoosiers' first win over a top-ten-ranked team since 1987. And this game was the foreshadowing of the Detroit Lions game because we had another instance of... The Indiana Hoosiers allowing the Penn State player to try to score the touchdown to get the ball back to go tie it up. Hmm. And the Penn State player did the exact same thing. I th- I've seen the side-by-side comparison video, and it is eerie because the guy stumbles, and he thinks about it for a second like, oh, crap, I probably shouldn't score this touchdown. and should just kneel to run out the clock. And he lands in the end zone yep. and gets the touchdown, but it gives the ball back to the other team. And then in overtime, that crazy uh, last second, well, I guess it's not a last second, but the – the stretching out of the ball at the at the pylon, it, it, people are contesting whether or not it was actually uh, a good two point conversion or not. And I've seen several angles, and I don't even know. Like, I I after I watched it a few times, I said yes, it was. But then you watch it again, and, and like, you it think, looks like he's just short. Did did the ball the yeah. back of the ball touch before it touched the the other thing? I, you know, it was so close that I don't think they really could uh, over overturn it by replay because right. it was just so close. So they went with the ruling on the field, but boy, that was it was close. I thought that maybe like even though you see the ball hit the ground, I thought maybe the nose still like even though the nose is pointed up in the air, that maybe it, it crossed that imaginary uh, 
Right, but it's got to touch that pylon because that's where the line starts. But even then, like it can touch the pylon. But I'm saying like the line is imaginary, and it's that whole plane that you know sure. like, technically infinite goes up infinitely. Right, right. I thought maybe you know it cracks that, but also uh, maybe there wasn't enough evidence to say yeah. for sure. So it was indis- uh, It was not indisputable on the replay. But regardless, no, no matter how many times you looked at it. Regardless, I'd say give it to Indiana anyway. They haven't sure. been a, a big team like this. And, sure. No, I was uh, I was really you know, rooting for. I know you got it in Indiana. the news, but uh, this you know this game caused some uh i would say turmoil but it definitely uh made some waves in the betting community yeah you pointed this out to me uh and i had to go and confirm it but uh, DraftKings is refunding the money to those who bet on penn state to beat indiana in the controversial two-point conversion in overtime the refunds are going to be made in the form of site credits so it's i guess everybody like you know uh, they get that one for free right. and go they, bet they on get a different a, game they get a free game next week yeah so, I mean, that's kind of nice. I never would have thought somebody like DraftKings or any casino or anything would actually refund people's money for but, anything But that like just that. shows you how controversial that call was. Even DraftKings was like, we may not agree with the call, so we're going to give you guys a pass. Yeah. Like, even they were like, we don't know. So how about, you know what, let's just call it square. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I just, I can't believe they did that. I'm I can't glad either. they did. But that's why I sent it to you because I was like, yeah. "This is the most bizarre thing I've yeah, never, never seen." Never, never seen anything like that before. I don't think anybody's ever done that before. Okay, uh, where were we here? Oh, okay, uh, number twelve, BYU over Texas State, fifty-two to fourteen. BYU is now six and zero on the season. Wake Forest upsets number nineteen Virginia Tech, twenty-three to sixteen. It was Rutgers over Michigan State, thirty-eight to twenty-seven. Rutgers snaps a twenty-one game conference losing streak which dates back to 2017. Yeah, good for them. Uh, bad yep. for Michigan State Spartans. But... No, I like Michigan State. We're from Michigan, but I was actually rooting for Rutgers to win this game. Wow, and, really? Yeah, just uh, Michigan State didn't have it uh, last Sunday. But, and you know, Rutgers has been such a doormat for the Big Ten ever since they've joined the conference. Uh, they just look at Rutgers and they just laugh at them. You know, they're, they're not. They're just there to pad out the schedule yep. and have an extra team. Yep, and so to see them... Uh, win a game like that uh, and snap that kind of a, a losing streak. Uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. But then I always root for the underdog anyway. Which is typically Michigan State, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Liberty over Southern Miss, 56-35. to Liberty is now 6-0 and on the season. It was uh, Middle Tennessee State over Rice, 40-34 to or 34. in two overtimes. Rice missed a field goal. Uh, which hit the crossbar and the uprights four times, and I believe oh, that, that was nuts. I believe that was at the end of the regulation uh, that would have uh, won the game uh, for uh, for Rice, and instead they lost in double overtime because of that. But yeah, that that kick was something else. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I've you've seen the double doink before uh, in the NFL, but I've never seen a quadruple doink. The, the fact that they also called it the doink on the ESPN uh, <laughs> crawl down there at the bottom of the screen with the yeah. updates. Was just like, everybody knows what you're talking about when you say when you say, when you say a doink. Yeah, I guess I, I've heard it called a doink, but I probably wouldn't have initially gone, "What's a doink? Like, what are you talking about?" <laughs> but I guess once you once you get put two and two together, if you say goalposts and doink, you're like, "Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about." Yeah, it's part of the football vernacular now. That's a history lesson right there. Where did the origin of the doink come from? <laughs> Give it a few years. We'll, maybe we'll do that one. All right, uh, moving on to the service academies. Uh, it was Army over an FCS school, Mercer, by the score of 49-3. to 3. 
It was Houston over Navy, 37-21, and San Jose State defeated Air Force, 17-16. And that's it for the World of Football scoreboard this week. Um, we're going to move on to some NFL news. Um, we didn't mention Antonio Brown. We, no, we, we talked didn't. Odell I forgot, I forgot to bring him up when that's we right. talked uh, Buccaneers. Yeah. But Odell, or I'm sorry, Antonio Brown uh, is back. We thought we'd seen the last of him uh, after his one game in uh, New, New England, England and, and, and that horrible showing on uh, um, hard, hard Knocks with, but then with the Oakland Raiders. all the Raiders. legal troubles. And oh, my gosh. The whole saga that kept going on with People him. People just wanted him to go away, and now he's back. So he has signed a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers oh, to man. reunite him with Tom Brady. Tom Brady, a.k.a. Nick Fury, assembling the <laughs> Avengers down in Tampa Bay. But all the talk was he was going to go to Seattle, and then all of a sudden he's down there in Tampa working out, and boom, he's got a contract. That sounds very Antonio Brown, like, hey, I'm going to, yeah, I'll go to I'll go to Seattle. Nope, I'm going down to Florida. But first, let me make a side trip down to sunny Florida. Hey, Tom, oh, look, I signed a contract. Hey, Tom Brady, you want me? Oh, you do? <laughs> I'm going to go play with Tom Brady. So he's still under suspension for this week. This is week eight coming up in the Yeah, so he'll be NFL. eligible next Monday. So in week nine, he'll be able to play. Uh, his contract is uh, kind of meager. It's a $750,000 contract, but there are three different incentives on his contract that could boost that up to $2.5 million. Oh, man, can you imagine if he got all that money? I don't know. What what kind of <laughs> things would he do with that kind of money? I don't know. It, it, has he learned his lesson? Is Doubt he it. is he going to uh, be a team player? Straighten up and fly right, uh, or is this a one and done in Tampa before he goes to looking for another team next year? If he even comes, yeah. gets another chance, yeah. this might be the last chance he ever gets. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, Antonio Brown is back. God, it's so twenty twenty. <laughs> well, you want to know what makes it extra twenty twenty? Hmm. The return of another wide receiver that I was telling you about, you didn't realize, got signed. Uh, wide receiver Des Bryant signed oh. to the practice squad of the Baltimore That's Ravens. Right. You told me that just before we went and started recording. I hadn't seen that yet. Yeah, he uh, he just signed with their practice squad. I think that he was, you know, he was trying out with the Saints last year. Hmm. He ended up injuring himself to where he couldn't even. He never played in the game last year, but he was like trying out for the Saints, injured himself, and he was out for the rest of the year. So. We'll see what Des Bryant can do. Can he come off of that uh, practice squad eventually this year? I don't know what kind of football shape he's in. Yeah. It's, been a, it's been three or four years now yeah. he hasn't been in the league. And another NFL story, uh, Washington football team coach Ron Rivera went through his final chemo treatment the other day and got a standing ovation from yeah. the doctors and nurses. They, they threw confetti. He got to ring a bell. You know, it's kind of like going to Arby's. You know, you oh like the food, God. you ring the bell. You can't compare <laughs> cancer treatment to going to Arby's. Randy, what are you doing? That is but, the worst thing you've ever done on this show. You've done a lot of terrible things. Yes, I have. Including creating this show. Yes, I have. No, no this was your idea to do <laughs> oh. this show. Oh, turn it around on me. You're huh? the one that said we should do this. This is why Randy's the worst, everybody. <laughs> but no, congratulations yeah, to right. him. Uh, he went through seven weeks of treatment. And never missed coaching a single game. This guy was tough as nails. Yeah, I think he missed a practice or two. He might have missed a practice. But, but you know, I think, what, there's one that one story where at halftime he goes and he gets an IV, mm, you know? Yes, so, yeah. like, this guy is a trooper. Uh, when there was the rumors that the Lions were going to fire their coach last year, uh, Matt Patricia, I was saying, maybe Ron Rivera's the guy. Mm. Uh, you know, I like Ron Rivera as a personality. Uh, watching him on... Uh, that all or nothing show on Amazon when the Panthers were the mm. the highlighted team. I just I like Ron Rivera like as a person as uh, as a coach. I mean I'm not saying he's like the greatest coach of all time, but I think Ron Rivera is just an outstanding dude and he knows football, loves football, and 
Yeah. Well, maybe that's why his team is playing better oh, than they Washington probably should be. They, good they look at him and they say, my God, if he can go through that and he can still be here, I guess we can uh, play a little better than we have been. And, uh, you know, that, that might, you know, really motivate these players maybe, for the rest of the but, season. But still, yeah, seven weeks, you know, going through all this for the coach and not missing a game is just incredible. Yeah. Uh, good for him. And, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, it stays this way. Hopefully yes. he, nothing has to ear its ear rear its ugly head around the corner so he can just, you know, focus on football, focus on his family. Good for him. Yep. Congrats, Ron. Yes, uh, very very nice uh, nice job there. Okay, I want to talk about the uh, Associated Press sham top 25 do, uh, do poll Do we again. have to? I just wanted to point out a few things. I don't know if we'll do this next a week. A few things, but... ladies and gentlemen. Uh, his a few things are highlighted in uh, but... Neon Marker, and there's several of them. Uh, eight teams. Eight is more than a few. Eight which teams makes it in the top twenty-five have either a one and zero, zero and one, or zero and zero record. There's an zero and one team on here. Yes. Oh uh, my Penn, gosh. Penn State. Oh, of course. They went from what were they last week? They went from number eight to number eighteen this week, but they're still in the top twenty-five, having lost a game and no wins. And then Indiana jumps right in front of them at one and zero. Right. And number seventeen. Uh, Ohio State, obviously, we figured they'd probably be a top five team no matter what they did. Uh, they jumped up to number three from five. Wisconsin, after their win, jumps from fourteen to nine. Michigan, which who did look look impressive. I don't know if you. They did uh, look good. I don't know if you mentioned that during your your scores or not. I didn't see. No, it. I don't. I don't think I talked. Michigan, Michigan looked game. good. We watched that game on Saturday. I'm surprised no. you didn't mention Michigan. But now mm. you're gonna have to talk Michigan. They're in the top twenty-five. Uh, again, technically, but I think you know after having at least some game footage, right. you can uh, make. But again, you've assessment. got Oregon that hasn't played a game, and you've got USC who hasn't played a game, and they're what are they? Um, Pac twelve schools. Well, yeah, but uh, Oregon's number fourteen, and USC is number twenty one. And they moved. And or- they, yeah, Oregon uh, moved from thirteen to fourteen without playing a game, and right. USC moved from get this twenty four up to twenty one. Well, yeah, playing up three a spots game. and hasn't even played a game yet. Yeah, this this list is a sham. I'm I'm disappointed with the whole. I, uh, I understand top that, that the records will all be different at different points this year. Yeah, you know, Big Ten's only playing eight games, uh, and the ACC and SEC have been playing for five six weeks now. Right. So we're gonna have uh, discrepancies when it comes to comparing records, but you know, supposedly you know they're gonna be evaluating the talent and you know what they're supposed to do, but. Even then, it just feels like it's all a sham. Yep, it's all uh, BS. And it's not going to matter till we get the, the official playoff rankings in November, but even then, it's still a dog and pony show. Yeah, so. yeah very disappointed with the Associated Press. So trying to stay relevant, and they're not. Okay, uh, let's see what else we got here. Purdue head coach John Brom uh, tested positive for COVID-19 last week, and he's the first Big Ten coach to do so. He missed their opening game against Iowa. And his younger brother, the offensive coordinator, Brian Brom, took over as a head coach and uh, led the team to a 24-20 to win at home. Brian Brom is expected to be back this week uh, with his team. I think tomorrow, he's, on Wednesday of this oh. week, he's allowed to go back and uh, you know, coach, coach the team, be with the team uh, after his uh, isolation period is over with, which I think is only 10 days in college. Uh, let's see. The Army-Navy game is going to be played at West Point this year for the first time since 1943. That's 77 years. That's a long time. Well, you know, for many years they played at a neutral site. And uh, 
Uh, Which I guess I didn't realize. I thought that was a more recent thing, but 77 years? Dang. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, actually, they started at a neutral site very early because after just a few years, I don't know if you remember the history lesson we did, but uh, a general and an admiral during one of the games in the 1800s uh, challenged each other to a duel over the outcome of the game because they were, they were upset and... Uh, was the president or the secretary of defense told him, you know, well, this game isn't going to be played anymore because you guys, <laughs> you can't do that. Right. And so they canceled the game for a few years. And when they brought it back, it was a neutral site game. And, uh, and it's been neutral site most of the time. It, it was uh, home and home, like in 42 and 43 at West Point, because it was during World War II. Right. So they kept it at the academies uh, where they could keep control of the crowds. And uh, But it's been... Uh, several places around the country. It was even in Chicago there one year. And uh, but Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia is the main place that it's been for a long time. And uh, uh, so they just decided to move it this year to West Point, and uh, because they were going to be the designated home team anyway this this year. So that's how how West Point got. Well, the, I hope that the next game. year they give it to Navy, do a home game there, and then they can go back to their uh, yeah. yeah. Let them each have one and yeah. go back to the to the neutral site after that. Yeah. yeah. Who knows. And let's see what else. Um, oh, uh, speaking of Army, they are now 6-1, and one, and they've already accepted an invitation to the Independence Bowl. Bang. They are the first team uh, in the FBS to accept a bowl invitation. But, you know, some of these bowls out there, they, they're just looking for, for Army or Navy or Air Force to have a good season so they can get them into their bowl right. game because they, they love the military schools, they love the academies. And so, yeah, it doesn't really surprise me, but... Again, it, it does surprise me. Well, I mean, the bowl system, I mean... This is a totally different year. Right. And Normally, you have to have six wins to be eligible. This year, that doesn't really qualify anybody. Uh, the rules are all different because of this whole COVID-19 year, but they are 6-1, and one, and, and the Independence Bowl said, we want you. And yeah, they I said, just, okay. I mean, any other year, you know, typically the Bulls is still, even you still got it, your six wins or whatever, but right. they still, they're reaching for brands. You're not picking a great matchup. You're like... Oh, you're telling me we could get Alabama and Michigan, two of the hot, you know, college football brands, uh, to play in our Little Caesars uh, Fiesta Chip uh, Dorito <laughs> Bowl, uh, sponsored by Chase Credit Cards and YouTube. I don't yeah. know. Like some I, of the bowls, they want those top right. top notch players, uh, teams in the top. 25. These glorified exhibition games, which is essentially just to say, hey, look, your your fancy team is playing another fancy team. Well, it's a, a reward a for having game. a decent season. It's not. And it means not. a lot to the, to these lesser teams. Uh, you know, well, the if, lesser teams, I get it. There's yeah. a little bit of money that, yeah. Right. They could use the money. They need the extra time, the, the practices, the experience of traveling to a bowl game. We it's have too great many, for some of these We have mid- too many bowl games. It's true. I would, it's true. If they're going to keep all these bowl games, I would like to see some of the bowl games that are supposed to have consequence to them really matter, mm-hmm. you know be part of the outcome for the national championship, you know, for playoff system, you know, your Rose Bowls, your Cotton Bowls, all them, like make sure that all those stay important and relevant to the national championship. All these other, your uh, Tex Slayer Bowl and all these <laughs> yeah. other lesser bowls, like yep. I just, there's... we got to do away with some of these, but I get like you want to give opportunities to all the teams. If you're going to do that, give every team a bowl game. Give everybody an extra game, yeah. uh, regardless of record, and just, you know... Well, there's what the... the it seems like they add another one every year. It, it used to be like 32 bowls. I think oh, it's now it's the, up to 30, are we in the hundreds? 35 or 36 bowls. Cut that in half, you know? Uh, 18, 20 bowl games should be it, and make it a little tougher to get to a bowl. Uh, and that way, you know, and you can you can double up on these sponsors. You know, uh, Tax Slayer can go be a... a 
a, a sponsor for for one you know join sponsorships with a couple others make the purse even and share bigger. money how dare yeah, you well, sir make, make the purse even bigger for the winning and losing teams make it more relevant and i think everybody would be better off take the price of two bowl games and make it one yeah, maybe yeah add that money I know, there's, there's got to be a better solution than what the bowl system is now it's just gotten out of hand i don't want to see two mac like a mac school play a uh, a big juggernaut like a meaningless bowl <laughs> game like at least give me two good football teams i don't want a five and six team or a you know six and six team. like i don't care these are 500 mediocre teams like why would i want to watch an extra a game of them yep. well hold on we've watched those type of games because football <laughs> is football that's true and yeah, sometimes those games are pretty good too sometimes they end up being decent games but i just yeah. think just on principle it's let's just pull it yeah. back college yeah. football there, there's, Come on. there's way too many cut down the number of bowl games less is more uh, make it at least you have to have at least seven wins not six to, uh, to i don't get think there should be game. a win required i think it should just be all the top two teams in each conference bam bowl games yeah that might work too all right let's move on um arena football tv on youtube added a couple of games this week one of them was the uh, connecticut coyotes versus the st louis stampede from 1996 i'm i will admit i never saw either of those two teams before i mean i've heard of them but i never actually saw them play and uh the denver dynamite versus the pittsburgh gladiators and that is a game from 1989 the year you were born yeah, son that game's old as i am pretty yep. much yep uh, obituaries. We've been very fortunate the last couple weeks. I think we've had one obituary in three weeks. We had two weeks where we had no obituaries yeah. at all. We had one last week. It was great. Well, we've made up for it. We have seven obituaries this week. Oh. One of them came down just this morning when I thought I was wrapping things up, and uh, uh, then another one pops up. But this is where we take a moment to honor those who've made the world of football a better place. And we're going to start with the one that just popped up this morning. David Braley, who owned three different teams in the Canadian Football League over the years, he has passed away at the age of 79. Braley was the owner of the Hamilton Tiger Cats from 1981 to 19, or I'm sorry, 1989 to 1991. He then bought the British Columbia Lions in 1997 and still owned the team at the time of his death. The Lions won three Grey Cup championships while he was the owner, 2000, 2006, and 2011. He also owned the Toronto Argonauts from 2010 through 2014 when the team was in financial trouble. I mean, he really came through and saved that franchise and kind of saved the whole league when he took over ownership of that team. So he was he owned the Lions and the Argonauts at the same time. The Argos went on to win the 100th Grey Cup game in Toronto in 2012. Braley was a graduate of McMaster University in Hamilton, and he spent time as the chairman of the CFL's Board of Governors. He was also the interim CFL commissioner for nine months in 2002, and he even served three years in the Canadian Senate from 2010 to 2013. Braley was inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame in 2012. What a span of time, 2010 to just 2014 was for him. He owned two teams, served in the Canadian Senate, <laughs> won a couple of great cups in there. Like... If there was a, anybody who was winning in Canada, I think it was this gentleman yeah, right I, here. Yeah, I forgot to put this in the obituary, but he also uh, received the, I believe it was the Order Don't of Canada. the Medal of Honor. No, no, no well, it's, it's the Order of Canada, and it's it's like a very high uh, honor for a Canadian citizen, you know, as somebody that's really um, done a lot for the country itself, and he he's one of those honorees. Dang. 
And what a big loss there. Yep. All right, our next obituary is that of William Cordell Gordon, a college football head coach for 15 seasons and has passed away at the age of 90. Gordon was the head coach at HBCU Jackson State from 1977 to 1991. In his 15 seasons, he compiled an overall record of 119 wins, 48 losses, and 5 ties, and is the winningest coach in school history. He led the team to the Division I AA playoffs nine times, winning eight Southwest Athletic Conference titles, and was named the conference's Coach of the Year six times. He even won an HBCU National Championship in 1985. After his retirement as the coach, he spent two years serving as the school's athletic director. Gordon was inducted into the SWAC Hall of Fame in 1994, the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame in 1997, and the College Football Hall of Fame in 2008. And for those of you who are curious, HBCU stands for Historically Black College University. Yeah, it, that's the school where uh, Deion Sanders is now the head coach, and so he's got a lot to live up to. Yeah, uh, I mean, what, what a resume this guy's put yeah. up with. I mean, that's two guys in a row so far. Um who put up pretty stellar resumes. Yep. Our next uh, obituary is that of Matt Blair, who was a linebacker in the NFL for 12 seasons. He has passed away at the age of 70. Blair played college football at Iowa State and was selected in the second round of the 1974 NFL draft by the Minnesota Vikings. He played his entire career with the Vikings from 1974 to 1985. Blair played in Super Bowls 9 and 11 and was inducted into the team's Ring of Honor in 2012. All right, our next obituary is that of Bill Mathis, a fullback and halfback in all 10 seasons of the American Football League and has passed away at the age of 81. Mathis played his college football at Clemson and was selected in the eighth round of the 1960 NFL Draft by the San Francisco 49ers. His AFL rights were originally held by the Denver Broncos, then the Houston Oilers, who traded him to the New York Titans just before the first AFL season began. He played his entire career with the New York team, who changed its name to the New York Jets in 1963. Jets head coach uh, Weeb Eubanks. Is that how you pronounce it? That's correct. Weeb Weeb. Eubanks. Okay, I was like, you looked at me like I said it wrong. (laughs) You probably heard the name. You've probably just never seen it spelled that way. Yeah, so Weeb Eubanks had Mathis room with quarterback Joe Namath, a guy you might have heard of, during road games and gave Mathis specific instructions to, quote, Keep Namath out of trouble, unquote. <laughs> Mathis and Namath won Super Bowl three with the Jets in 1963. Mathis was also one of just 20 players who played in the AFL for all of its 10 seasons. After he retired, he went to work on Wall Street. Mathis is a member of the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame, the George- South Carolina Hall of Fame, and the Clemson Hall of Fame. Our next obituary is that of Tom Usick. I'm, I'm going to say Usick, Uh Y-E-W-C-I-C. I I tried looking on YouTube and seeing if I could find somebody pronouncing his name. Tom Usyk, yep. Tom Usyk. Uh, He played in the AFL, the CFL, and in Major League Baseball. He has passed away at the age of 88. Usyk played college football at Michigan State and was selected in the 27th round of the 1954 NFL Draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers. However, he he opted to play baseball and signed with the Detroit Tigers. When his baseball career did not work out, he played uh, half a season in the CFL with the Toronto Argonauts before signing with the 
American Football League's Boston Patriots in 1961. He played quarterback and was a punter for the Patriots from 1961 to 1966. Our next obituary is that of Mario Henderson, a tackle in the NFL for four seasons, has passed away at the age of 35. The cause of death was not immediately known. Henderson played his college football at Florida State and was selected in the third round of the 2007 NFL Draft by the Oakland Raiders. He played for the Raiders from 2007 to 2010. After that, he spent time with the Virginia Destroyers of the United Football League, the Utah Blaze, and the Tampa Bay Storm of the Arena Football League, and the Colorado Ice of the Indoor Football League. And finally, our last obituary, thankfully, this week, is that of Ron Murphy, who played and coached in the CFL and in college. He has passed away at the age of 88, Murphy was signed by the CFL's Hamilton Tiger Cats right out of high school. He was an offensive lineman on the team in 1952 and 1953 and won a Grey Cup title in 1953 with the Tiger Cats. He then uh, played college football for three seasons at McGill University in Montreal. Murphy returned to the CFL after being selected in the fourth, uh, with the fourth overall pick in the 1958 CFL draft by the Montreal Alouettes. He played guard and linebacker with the Alouettes for four seasons from 1958 to 1961. Murphy then went into coaching. He started out as an assistant coach at McGill, winning a Yates Cup conference title in 1962. He then spent time as an assistant coach with the Alouettes before joining the University of Toronto Varsity Blues as an assistant coach in 1965. The team won the inaugural Vanier Cup National Championship game that year. He became the head coach of the Varsity Blues the following year and spent the next 17 years at the school from 1966 to 1982. He was named the Canadian Inter-University Athletic Union's Coach of the Year in 1974. He came out of retirement and was once again an assistant coach at uh, the University of Toronto from 1986 to 1993, winning his second Vanier Cup National Championship game in 1993. Murphy is a member of the University of Toronto's Sports Hall of Fame. Man, that's that's some obituaries this yeah. year. A, a guy that's uh, picked, you know, signed right out of high school to play in the CFL, yeah, and then he goes to college and plays three college seasons. Then he gets drafted by another team and plays another four years. Then goes on to have a stellar college coaching career. Wow, just. Uh, some incredible people have passed away this past week. That's why we do these obituaries. People need to know about these people. You may have never heard of any of these players or coaches before, but it's important to remember their legacy and what they did for the world of football. That's why we do this. All right. What do we got here? Next is uh, today's birthdays, October 27th. Halfback and end Kyle Rote was born on this day in 1927. He passed away in 2002 at the age of 73. He played college football at SMU. And he was the first overall pick in the 1951 NFL Draft by the New York Giants. And he played his entire 11-year NFL career with the Giants from 1951 to 1961. He won an NFL championship in 1956. He was also the Giants' offensive coordinator in 1962 and 1963. I see you looking at your phone over there. Uh, any late-breaking news before we get into our history lesson this week? Uh, nope, not as of right now. Okay, well, let's move on to that history lesson. And this week, we answer the question, why does Alabama have an elephant for a mascot? 
Everyone knows that the University of Alabama's nickname is the Crimson Tide. This dates back to 1907, when the sports editor of the Birmingham Age-Herald, Hugh Doc Roberts, referred to the team as the Crimson Tide following their 6-6 tie with the heavily favored Auburn Tigers. This was in part due to their red uniforms, but it was not until the 1920s that that nickname really took hold. So why does Alabama have an elephant for a mascot? It makes no sense. To find the answer, you have to go back to a game on October 4, 1930 against Ole Miss and an article by Everett Strupper in the Atlanta Journal that was written four days after that game. At the beginning of the second quarter, the Alabama players were heading back onto the field. Strupper was struck by the immense size of the Alabama offensive lineman. That's when he said he heard a fan in the stands yell, Hold your horses! The elephants are coming! Strupper began referring to the linemen as the Red Elephants in his articles after that. The name was eventually picked up by other sports writers who began using it as well. Alabama posted a 9-0 regular season record in 1930. They went on to defeat Washington State 24-0 in the Rose Bowl and shared the 1930 College Football National Championship with Notre Dame. Both teams were 10-0 that season. Alabama outscored their opponents 217-13 in 1930. So the next time you see Alabama's elephant mascot on the sidelines, named Big Al, Remember the lineman from the 1930 Crimson Tide season. And now you know why the Crimson Tide have an elephant as their mascot. Well, you know, I give you a lot of suggestions for doing your history lessons, and sometimes I think, you know what, I think that's such a good idea, I'll do it myself. And I go, that's still too much work, and you still <laughs> did it this week. Because we were watching the Alabama-Georgia game a couple weekends ago, and right. I said, hey, why did you do a history lesson? Why is their mascot an elephant? You like, I've, I don't know why. I've always thought that you know that it makes no sense. The Crimson Tide, you know, that and an elephant for a mascot. How does how does one relate to the other? I had no idea, and it's always kind of bothered me. But until you it's said this that, kind of thinking that leads to history lessons and learning, Randy. <laughs> well, I'm glad I looked into it because now I know uh, why why they have an elephant, yeah, Big Al. Yeah, and. Uh, Luckily for you, your two-minute history lesson was two minutes exactly, so I can't give you much crap about that. <laughs> you used my idea, so can't give you much crap about that. What I can give you crap for is letting your dang phone ring during the yeah, podcast, I forgot too. to turn it off today. Normally, nobody calls at this time, and so it's not a problem. Uh, hi, it's political season. Everybody's calling for no, some dumb reason. That's true. That's true. Mr. Trump, I'm sorry. We're going to have to ignore your calls. And, and Mr. We're doing Biden, we hang up on you, too. We don't, we don't take calls from anybody. I don't care what party you are. All right. <laughs> Jimmy John's calling. Well, yes, I'll take that charge. <laughs> Two for one, I'm there. <laughs> okay, where were we here? Oh, NFL predictions. Wrapping up the show. <laughs> NFL predictions for last week. Uh, you had a pretty good week. You went eight and six during week seven of the NFL. Uh, why do I feel like you're about to say you did better? But I did better. Oh my I, God. I picked, uh, I was 11 and three on my picks. So overall, so far this season through seven weeks, you have an overall record of 67 and 38. And I'm sitting at 70 and 35. So. That's right. I fell back three games because we were tied going We were tied last week, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were tied. All right, so now let's go. Let's get into this week's picks. And I've, I've got one left open because I just, I, 
I'm having a tough time trying That's to pick myself. We'll, we'll work our way through them. Yep. We're going to start with this week's Thursday night game, which is a NFC uh, South battle. The Atlanta Falcons travel to Carolina to play the Panthers. Who do you got? Carolina. I have no faith in Atlanta whatsoever. I'm not saying I don't have faith in Atlanta. They obviously, they, I think for being 1-6, and six, they still got some good stuff. It's just they like to give up that lead quite a yep. bit. So I'm also going to take the Panthers on a short week. I feel like... They're going to be a little more prepared than Atlanta after a very emotional game they went through. I mean, yeah. Carolina did too, but I feel like, you know, they just got a lot. Uh, I like their young head coach quite a bit, and that you're working with an interim head coach here in Atlanta. So, yeah, I'd take Teddy Bridge, Teddy Bridgewater over uh, Matt over. Ryan. Oh, I wouldn't take Matt Ryan over well, right now th- during this season. Yes, I would not when he's got two of the best receivers. It's a, it's going to be a close one. I bet you it comes down to a field goal again. Uh, how about this? The Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Baltimore to play the Ravens. And, oh boy, I'm having a tough time with this one because, you know, Pittsburgh is the only undefeated team left. you got the Ravens, who are pretty decent. I believe they're coming off of a bye this week. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the Ravens. So, hmm. boy, I don't know what to make of it. Um, but you know what? I'm going to take the Ravens at home to upset the Steelers. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, I wrote down Pittsburgh. So even though Pittsburgh's on the road and the Ravens are good and they are at home, I'm going with Pittsburgh in that game. I, I don't blame you. I mean, the Steelers are good. I just, I don't know. The Ravens had an extra week to prepare. Uh, we'll see. The Los Angeles Rams travel down to Miami to play Tua Tungavaloa. Something we didn't highlight at all during the news was Tungavaloa is getting to start for his first game ever. Yeah, I don't agree with that myself. I don't. A lot of people don't. I mean, yeah, you want to see your young quarterback, but... Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, he was doing yeah. some good things for that. Yeah, Dolphin bring Tua along a little slowly. Let him uh, play, you know, some mop-up duty here and there and some, some wins. He only but, had, like, the one. The, he only came in for two passes. Uh, yeah, he's throwing two passes this season. And they're like, that's good enough to start. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, boy. So no. we'll see if the two exp- – and you're going up against Aaron Donald. Oh, good luck. <laughs> Who do you got? I got the Rams. <laughs> yeah, give me the Rams. I think, you know, Tua might look pretty good, but uh, – I bet you Aaron Donald gets there a couple of times and that kid's going to be wishing it was Ryan Fitzpatrick out there. <laughs> all right, the New York Jets. Okay, that's all we had to say. Who are they playing? Yeah, give me the other team. Give me the other team. <laughs> they play the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, so, yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs. Uh, Le'Veon Bell taking on his old team. Yep, Chiefs. All right. Uh, <laughs> Enough said. All right. Next game, an NFC North battle. The Minnesota Vikings travel to Green Bay to play the Packers. Who do you got? Mm. Uh, I'm afraid I'm going to go with the Packers in that game. They are at home, and uh, it's tough to beat them in, in Green Bay, no matter how good or bad they are. It's, it's their home, and they're going to win. Unfortunately, I have to agree with you. I'm going Packers as well. This game should be interesting. The Indianapolis Colts come into Detroit off of a bye to play the Lions, who are on a two-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I have to pick first. Oh, boy. This is the one I've been struggling with. See, okay. I, I have it blank right now. I, I don't know. Convince give, me one way or the other. Give me the Colts. Uh, I'm, I'm The Lions have played two bad teams. The Colts are decent. They have a really good defense. I like that a lot. Uh, the only thing I think that could give the Lions a shot is are they going to get pressure on uh, the Indianapolis Colts quarterback? And despite tra- trading for uh, that Dallas Cowboys uh, defensive end, yep, uh, Emerson Griffin, Griffin. Uh, he can't play in this weekend's game, so uh, I think that pressure is going to have to right. wait one more week. Uh so I'm going to take the Colts. Probably be a closer game, but uh, I think the Colts will pull it out. Yeah. Uh, Phillip Rivers against uh, Matt Stafford. I'd take Matt Stafford. I mean, Phillip Rivers. Yeah. But, it's, but you're playing against the Lions defensive line who doesn't get great pressure. The Lions are at home. Um, 
Indianapolis coming off a bye. Boy, you know, I I really w- I want Detroit to win. Of course, well, I want but, the Lions to win too, but I'm but, trying to be man, realistic I just, here. I, I can't buy into Detroit yet. I can't buy in. I'm going to be a homer. I'm going to pick Detroit. I know I should be taking the Colts in this game, uh, but I'm going to pick Detroit just for the the heck of it. All right. Just to be a little bit different. We've kind of picked the same most of the way so far. So let's let's go different. Then how about this one? The Las Vegas Raiders travel to Cleveland to play the Browns. Who do you got? I got the Browns. Uh, It'll be a good game, but I think the Browns being at home uh, is going to be the difference. I think so, too. Browns, like we were just talking, Odell Beckham Jr. out for the rest of the year. Baker Mayfield looks like he's better off without him. Mm. Give me the Browns. How about this? The Tennessee Titans travel to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. As much as I like Joe Burrow, uh, I'm taking the Tennessee Titans. Me, too. I say Titans in that one. Ooh, how about this game? The New England Patriots travel to Buffalo to play the Bills. An NFC, or sorry, AFC East matchup. The former... AFC East champion for 17 out of 20 years against the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Is it my pick? It's your pick. Uh, I say there's a new sheriff in town, and uh, give me the Bills. Oh, boy. See, for me, I would pick the Patriots if I knew who their starting quarterback was going to be. But right now, we don't know if it's going to be Cam Newton or if it's going to be Stidham or whatever his name is. So I'm going to oh, – boy, but the Bills haven't looked great either lately. Oh, but the Patriots burned me last week. <laughs> it's in Buffalo – Boy, it's going to be a tight game. Uh, can I just take a tie? <laughs> no. No, Fine. you cannot. Oh, wait. <laughs> I should be allowed to take a tie, but I'll pick the Bills. Okay. All right, the Chargers play the Broncos in Denver. Uh, boy, give me the Chargers. I'm liking me some uh, Justin Herbert, man. He's looking good out there. Yeah, I got the Chargers, too. Denver, I don't know. Uh had that game in the snow last week. They played okay for a while, but they, they just didn't have what it took. And uh, give me the Chargers. All right. The 49ers travel to Seattle to play the Seahawks. And how about this? A nice NFC West matchup. Who you got? <laughs> uh, who's showing up? <laughs> uh, Russell Wilson's still, still showing up. Uh, I'm picking Seattle in that one. Yeah. I think this will be another tightly contested game. But after losing that heartbreaker last week for the Seahawks, I expect them to come out and try to blow the doors off of the Niners. All right, the New Orleans Saints travel up to Chicago to play the Bears. Um, boy, this is a, a messy one. I don't know who to go with. Uh, Chicago's got a great defense, but their offense is putrid. Mm-hmm. I'll take the Saints to beat the Bears in Chicago. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm going just the opposite. I'm saying that the Bears are going to play well at home. New Orleans, they're a dome team, so they're going to go up there. It could be snowing in Chicago. Who knows? Uh, the weather is going to be a factor, uh, and like I said, the Bears being at home, it's their environment. Give me the Bears. Uh, the one factor for me is, uh, who's your quarterback? Oh, you got Drew Brees, and you guys got who? Nick Foles? Sure, he won a Super Bowl, <laughs> but eh, give me uh, yeah, the Saints. Okay. All right, how about this? The Sunday night game, the Dallas Cowboys battled the Philadelphia Eagles. Who do you got? Uh, well, this is almost as easy as uh, picking against the Jets. Give me the Eagles. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm going the same way. Eagles, that Dallas Cowboys team is, uh, I think it's a franchise record they're either going to get or have where they've allowed the most points through six or seven mm. games. That defense is bad, and they just traded away one of their defensive linemen. Mm. Uh, I think that ship is sinking. <laughs> and on Monday Night Football, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel to New York to play the Giants. And give me the Buccaneers. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. They're just red hot right now. Yep, I agree. Um, you know, the Jets have a home game this week on Monday Night Football, and I believe next, the week after that, the Jets have a home game on Monday Night Football. Well, why would we want to watch the Jets on Monday Night Football? I don't know. But give me Tampa Bay in this game also. All right. So, yeah, we still have one unbeaten team in the Steelers, one winless team in the Jets. Who falls first? Or well, I guess if you're the Jets, you get a win. But uh, yeah, what well, do you think happens? Does Pittsburgh get a loss first, or do the Jets get a win first? You know, it's possible that uh, Pittsburgh could lose this week uh, in Baltimore. So um, I, I think Pittsburgh will lose a game before the Jets will win a game. Hmm. That's right. just my uh, my opinion. All right. All right, moving on to, uh, finally, uh, last thing of our show, upcoming events calendar. And these are dates that are set as of now. Anything can happen in 2020. Oh, yep. November 4th, the MAC schedule begins. And then November 6th, the Pac-12 schedule begins. How come we don't have any MAC teams or Pac-12 teams on the top 25 right now? Just because they haven't played a game yet. Oh, you do have Pac-12 teams in there. you got Oregon and oh, right. uh, USC. We, do. Okay. we talked about that, Randy. Okay. Well, I think Western Michigan should be uh, at least number 25. On um, yeah, no. <laughs> November 17th, the first college football playoff rankings come out. December 12th, the 121st Army-Navy game being played at West Point. Army leads that series 61 wins. 52 losses and 7 ties. December 20th, the college football playoff selection show where we'll know those four teams that are going in. Surprise, surprise. I wonder who those are going to be. Same ones every I wonder year. too. Yeah, that's why we're going to have the show. Yeah. Uh, January 11th, college football national championship game in Miami. At least that's the date right now. And February 7th, Super Bowl 55 in Tampa. Which is also the date for now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, rumors abound know, that they could push the Super Bowl back to March. Right, if they if they had to. But I mean, the, the NFL hasn't lost any games yet. Knock on wood. Or right, Omega, I mean, whatever. yeah, they've had to play the schedule game shuffle. Right, they've shuffled a lot of games, but they have not lost any games, or they have not canceled any games, forfeited any games, or whatever. So that you know, they're almost halfway through their season. I mean, next week is week eight. You know, yeah, week, we, week nine would be the halfway point. Did we even talk about the the Tennessee Titans getting fined for? No, uh, their protocol. No, Man, did they get fined? They got fined like three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay, uh, and uh, there's a rumor that uh, the Raiders are next for violating mm. protocol again with the latest their COVID issues. That's why their game got swapped. So rumors is, that they're going to get a heavier penalty than the Titans did. This is not for coaches not wearing masks no, on the sideline. This, this, this is, is for like players for, going this to is parties. For repeat and, offense. Okay, uh, because what the first time around was for a charity event, and then mm. the second time, I don't know what these players did, but they, you know. The Raiders are, again, having a second COVID issue. Because hmm. remember you, earlier this week, it was their offensive line was all quarantined. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, if there's nothing else, then uh, that's it for this week's show. If you learned something during this podcast about the incredible amount of diversity that exists in the world of football, then we've done our job. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, videos, and more. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. Uh, you can also, uh, I didn't have my script in front of me, so you can also like the world of football that's on Facebook. And then you could, uh, <laughs> see some stories and highlights and pictures and all that stuff. I'm sure Randy's posted a lot of good stuff on there. I don't check it out that often. Yeah. You never do. Yep. Uh, you can also find our Twitter account, which he's pretty active on as of late. He always retweets some good stories out there. You know, stuff that we don't even cover on here sometimes. So. Right. Yeah. There's a lot more on our Twitter and Facebook pages than we cover in the Hence show. Hence why you guys should go check those out. He posts so much stuff, he can't possibly fit it into the hour and ten show we make every mm -hmm. week. Uh, <laughs> then don't forget, new episodes of this show, should you choose to listen to to us in your ear holes, 
we have a podcast, which is this. And really? We, we post it every Tuesday. Interesting. Uh, unless there's a Tuesday night football game. Then That's we push right. Back. And we push back to Wednesday. Uh, but, yeah, we're available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So please subscribe, rate, review, let us know what you think, tell your friends about us, and please come be a part of the football conversation. Bring a friend or two. And remember, folks, some people may love football more than we do, but nobody loves more football than us. Join us again next week when we'll review all the happenings in and around the world of football. Until then, I'm Randy Snow. And I hate daylight savings time. Man, it's oh, dark it's and it's the only... Worst. It's going to mess up all the animals' feeding schedule. And... Uh, oh, their feeding schedule? So what about my feeding schedule? Goodness uh, gracious. It just means Jimmy John's is open a week or uh, an hour lo- longer. Uh, jokes on you, it hasn't been open at all around <laughs> here. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> all right, guys, I guess uh, well, our, our witty banter is... Uh, that's it. Run out, yeah. See you all next week.